Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with film director Fernando Truba on the film They Shot the Piano Player. Sony Pictures Classic will release this bossa nova-themed animated film in theaters in New York and Los Angeles on February 23rd, 2024, before expanding nationwide in the following weeks. The film is narrated by the great Jeff Goldblum and features a who's who of the best of Brazilian music as a New York music journalist goes on a quest to uncover the truth behind the mysterious disappearance of a young Brazilian piano virtuoso Tenorio Jr. A celebratory origin story of the world-renowned Latin music movement Bossa Nova, the film definitely captures a fleeting time bursting with creative freedom at a turning point in Latin America's history in the 60s and 70s, just before the continent was engulfed by totalitarian regimes. We get into quite a bit in this interview. Enjoy. Fernando, how are you? Fine. How are you? I'm excellent. Nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you, too. Um, thanks for taking a minute out today. I appreciate it. Thank you. So let's get into the movie. Um, I, I'm curious before we get into the film, you know, for the whole world of, of artists and creatives, we're getting on this anniversary of the pandemic, the four year anniversary. How did you get through that time period and how did it change you? Sorry, I, I didn't understand very well. Sorry. Uh, how? Yeah. Just how did you survive the pandemic? And how did it oh. subsequently change you? You know, I I was lucky that we were doing an animation movie because some friends who were making fiction movies or series uh, were in, in, in trouble because of the pandemic. Some uh, movies were uh, stopped, others were postponed, whatever. But uh, animation, we could uh, keep on working. So, uh, because in animation, every illustrator, every animator is in his uh, computer working and we are showing each other all the time and discussing the scenes with the editor, with Mariscal, with me, with the people in, in Amsterdam or uh, Lisbon or France, the same way that if there was no pandemic at all. The only thing that I couldn't do in some periods is to travel to Barcelona because when when it was possible, I was all the time in Barcelona, no, most of the time, going back and forth from Madrid to there. But um, it we were lo lo lucky that uh, our movie was an animation, so we 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 could uh, keep on working. So speaking of luck, when when the when the viewer is lucky enough to view this live. You know, I don't think we all understand how much work goes into a film, how much, especially an animated film. I think there's so much on the back end that people don't understand. So from the nexus, the beginning of this process to right now, how good does it feel to see this coming to fruition and people are going to ingest this film? Yeah, for me, imagine, because this this is a very special, uh, different to anything I've I've done in my life. Not only because animation, because of this special project. It means that I, I discovered this pianist in 2004. And I started to research uh, uh, about him and try to know more about him. And then at the end of uh, uh, 2005, I started making uh, shooting interviews. And I did, during three years, I did like 150 interviews. A lot of hours, more or less the same hours, 140 or something, hours of interviews. So after that, after the investigation, uh, 
I had all this material and I was a bit overwhelmed by it. I, I, I knew that I needed to find the, a form for that project. I, I was not sure if I wanted to make a, a more conventional documentary or, or a book. Many times I thought I should make uh, a book about, uh, from it. So I beat uh, Chico Rita. And then I did another movie in Chile, El Baile de la Victoria, the Victoria's Dance. And then one day, and, and the Tenorius movie, uh, that was the, the, the work title at the time, was always there. And, uh, and I was saying, I, what I'm going to do with Tenorius story? What I'm going to do with Tenorius story? And then one day I had this crazy idea. I should make that animated. And uh, at the beginning, I thought it was just a stupid idea. That, uh, and, and it was because I was, I just had made Chico and Rita and I was a bit, uh, with animation all the time here. And I say, in, in one month, I will not, uh, remember this idea. No, the problem is that every time passed, the idea was growing and growing and was more clear to me every day that passed that that was the way this movie should be made. No. So then when I discovered that, I proposed to Mariscal uh, the project and he was happy uh, that uh, I proposed him to do that. But then I had to make another movie. So between two movies, I immersed myself again in all this material, those interviews, uh, some years has passed uh, at that time, and uh, take notes and then start writing the script. And then the producers have to find the money for it. <laughs> so I did another movie. And then when finally the, 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 we had the, the financing, we could start making the movie. So from the, my beginning, it's not maybe the people that only were there for the animation um, uh, process, uh, the animation took us like, uh, uh, between three and four years. No? One year of creation, three years of the animation work. But for me, it was much, much longer because it has taken almost 20 years of my life. I've done other movies, but it has been a very different. That's not the normal way of making a movie. No? It yeah. takes a lot of time to, to develop it in my mind. You know, I, I'm thinking about all of the, the, the music-related films or documentaries that I've seen that are animation-fueled, and they all stick in a different way. The psychology behind doing animation, do you believe that this is going to make a stronger impact based on all the interviews and the story that you've collected? I think, uh, yes. I think I, uh, that's why uh, there is something about animation. Animation is... A a very synthetic, concise, uh, precise language. That's why that's why children understand it and, and love it. But also, if you say, if I gave you a satellite image of America, an uh, map of America, you will prefer the map because it's easier to understand. No, 
is, is more clear than the real thing, the satellite photograph. That's why anima animation has. Animation is a very direct way of uh, telling something. So I think uh, for me, it's a discovery. I'm not an animation guy. I, most of my movies are live action movies. After this one, I've made an, an, a live action movie in Greece. Um, but animation is a very special language. And for some kind of stories, the best one. So I, 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 I think I, I did the right, uh, the right uh, choice, no, for, or they shot the piano player doing it that way. How did this love of storytelling manifest in you to become, you know, a director and, and to do it in the way that you do it? How did all of this grow and evolve into you? You know, when I was a boy in my neighborhood in Madrid, in Spain, <laughs> I, I lived in, uh, I grew up in a humble neighborhood, uh, packed with theaters. And in my neighborhood, there were more theaters than in Broadway. It was full, but it, uh, there were um, double bill uh, theaters, no? always two movies, no? a Western and a, a comedy, uh, a film noir with a musical. No, you, you always get to watch two movies, one after yeah. the other. And uh, it was wonderful. It was, Spain was a very dark country at that period. It was, we were in, in, in Franco dictatorship and, and theater was the most wonderful escape from reality that you can dream. You enter the theater and you have Cary Grant there. It was the Marx Brothers there. It was incredible. For me, there was nothing like movies. And I, you know, I, children used to, uh, in the street or, or in, uh, in the pauses in the, uh, children like it that someone that has seen a movie to tell them the movie, to tell the story. Cuéntame la película. Tell me the story. So I was the best doing that. Always, all my comrades and friends always say, let Fernando tell the movie, tell the story. So I, I was good at, at, at telling stories since I, I was a little boy. No? And then I, I love reading uh, novels and things. And, and then one day the cinema really uh, take me, no? make me a prisoner. No? Yeah. So, so I keep on telling stories to the friends. So now with more money and to many friends around the world that I don't know personally, but I always, when I make a movie, I consider the public my friends. No, so absolutely, I'm, yeah. That's that's the way for me to make a movie. So we all have these moments, these flashpoints, where there's a piece of art that changes us. What was that film for you growing up that you watched, where you were like, "Wow, that was it. That's that's the way to do it." There are two moments who are very clear. One was half unconscious because I was thirteen, and I didn't knew what a director means or a screenwriter. It, there were no terms clear to me. I, I don't thought in that terms when I was 13. So I, I used to go to a movie to see Gary Cooper, uh, Gary Cooper in a Western, no? That was it. So 
one day I went and I saw a movie called Love in the Afternoon with Gary Cooper and Audrey Hepburn, directed by Billy Wilder. I didn't know who Billy Wilder was. Then I met him years later and visited him many times. But when I saw Love in the Afternoon at 13 in Madrid, I didn't know. And what happened to me watching this movie was an epiphany. I discovered that the things that happened in the movie were placed here and there in a certain order, that this story was built, was constructed like a building, and the, that the construction was perfect. So what I saw as a child, that was someone was pulling the strings, making things happen. Then years later, I say, but it's a Billy Wilder, Wilder movie. So <laughs> you can, that was one of the moments. And the other is more conscious one, is when I'm 16 and I, I had really very interested in movie at that time. And I'm waiting for the new Francois Truffaut movie to open in Madrid, Wild Child, L'Enfant Sauvage. And I'm waiting for that movie. It's opening next month, it's opening next week. And the day the movie is open, it was a Monday, I missed school. Went to the first uh, uh, hour in, in the afternoon to the, to the theater. When I came out of the theater, I had decided that I wanted to be a movie day. That that was the only thing I wanted to make in my life. What about... What about music? How has music shaped and been a force for you in your life and your creativity? Well, I think more or less, it's very rare that there are some people that say, I don't like music, but they, they are exceptional, strange, weird cases. No, yeah. Most of people, each one at, at his own way, love music because music helps us to live help us to go through life. No? Music is there helping us in, in good and bad moments. It's like a, a, a very good friend who is always there. When you call him, he's always there for you. No? Doesn't matter if you like rock and roll or jazz or classic music or Leonard Cohen or, or Bob Dylan. Doesn't matter. He's always there for you. So music has always been there for me. I, I love especially modern jazz. By modern jazz, I, I call modern jazz uh, hard bop and, uh, and after, and post bop and that. I, am, I like classical jazz too, but my favorite jazz is, you know, I think my favorite kind of art is when this form of art has one fit in the past, in the classics, and one fit in the future, yeah. in, the, in the exploration of new things. No, Picasso was that. Picasso was always looking at the past and producing something completely new. No? So hard bop was that in jazz for me. Or some writers, James Joyce, no? Even if people, uh, they say that Ulysses is the uh, uh, 
the, the book that most people have uh, abandoned in the process of reading it. I don't care about that. I think he was a classicist and a futurist no? at the same time. I love that. Yeah. I think that's something rich. And I think good art is always watching back and, 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 and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so, hey, Joe, hey, Joe, we have to wrap it up. So maybe just one more question. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because that's what my show does. I love the reverence of the past. Jazz can get pigeonholed. My final question, the film comes out on the 23rd of February. What are you ultimately hoping the transformative power of this film does for the for those that witness it? Yeah, I, I would like to, uh, if they had a good time watching it, uh, if they consider it a, a good story, and also, and also like, like the, the idea that they get something from the movie, no? about history, about the past, about music, about uh, human beings, about the 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 clash, uh, uh, the crash of 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 the barbary, the violence and uh, and the art and the beautiful. So it's it's like. Uh, Human life is always in the middle of this clash of, of two trains who crash one against the other. No? Uh, I hope one day there's no the, the one who is the violence, the war, all these things. No? And we can only go doing beautiful things no? for the others. No? Yes. Well said. And best of luck with, with the premiere, with the film. Thank you, sir, for taking a minute out today. Thank you. And keep making the wonderful work, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest creatives around the globe in Spain, L.A., New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world. And thanks to Fernando for his time and story. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.